Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Episodes where we lose a, a, a '60s rock legend. David Crosby died at 81 years old, which is like, wow! I can't believe he lived to 81, yeah. which is just insane. But you know, kind of probably more important to rock history than Jeff Beck, I would say. You yep. know? And you're you're like Birds in '64, Crosby, Stills, Nash in '68, and you have that going into the '70s. And then yes, my initial exposure to Crosby was tabloid-esque like growing up because he was getting arrested for like just crazy stuff mm-hmm. and he kind of looked like Gallagher that, that's yeah. basically what I knew about him growing up he you is almost, hilarious looking <laughs> do you almost spit your water out right there <laughs> spit dig well okay so John what do you remember about David Crosby like Oh, I, that, I'd say that's an understatement. I, you know, all respect to Jeff Beck, but David yeah. Crosby is really a 60s legend. Yeah. I was saying the other day, he is in my mind like hippie par excellence. <laughs> like, as you get older, yeah, you realize that a lot of people who you thought were hippies when you were like 17 yeah. aren't, aren't really hippies. Bob Dylan's <laughs> not really a hippie. The no. Beatles aren't really hippies. David Crosby was a hippie. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. He was like, he was a non-hate Ashbury. It, 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 he was, yeah, exactly. He was a hippie in the, the in the, what's it, what's that, the valley? What, what do they call it? Uh, Laurel Canyon. The Laurel, Laurel Canyon. In the canyon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seemed like the happiest place on earth. Oh, yeah. Mid-60s, Laurel Canyon, hippie rock scene. Yeah. And to be, just to make a quick point that's similar to Jeff Beck, to be someone who never really had a hit song, to, but to be that mm-hmm. well known in rock surf, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess uh, he well, his name was on stuff. It, Crosby, it was at the start of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was always around. Like there was never Jeff Beck. He wasn't Jeff Beck and the Yardbirds. Which side side question? Do we know why? I was thinking. I would always thought like, oh, you know, Crosby, alphabetical order. But no, probably just sounded the best. Probably just the way it rolled yeah. off the tongue. I imagine. You don't think Stills, Crosby, and Nash would be just as good? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've always loved that whole thing. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I remember when I was um, when I was a kid, uh, I was very proud of my parents for getting me and my brother one Easter. We woke up in in our Easter baskets. I had so far Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah, and Nick had decade. And we were super young. We were like, what the fuck is this? And uh, it was just amazing. Since then, I haven't looked back. My favorite song of his specifically is Almost Cut My Hair. It was really fun to play yeah. on guitar. It's a good one to just know if you want to play at a party or something. I used to play it a lot in college. Yeah, to impress the ladies. They're like, no, Neil, yeah. don't cut your and hair. Then, <laughs> speaking of college, one time I did a, um, a metal etching of Crosby. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's where you scratch into metal and then you print a bunch of versions of it. But I did Bizarro Crosby, who was left-handed, because if you 
scratch into metal and then print the mirror image. I so I have <laughs> a really nice piece of art of left-handed Crosby. Interesting. Is he was he left-handed no. or is that just kind of a no? Because I I okay. did it and then you print it the mirror image. You know what I mean? I had to. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. So John, what would you say is your favorite Crosby penned track? Early birds. Mr. Tambourine Man, My Back Pages, all those Dylan covers. But, like, a song that he wrote. Yes, Did he write Guinevere? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That I think that's – I really love Deja Vu as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the – there's a bird song he wrote, um, been bur- I've Been Burned or We've All Been Burned, which is kind of cool. That's and not, then there's another – That's not the Buffalo Springfield, right? Nah, Not the burned it, and with both feet on the no, ground. No, 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 no. Okay. It's basically just talking about how we've all been burned before. It, it, it sounds great. And then he has this weird song from the birds that I don't love, but I, I listen. I find myself, it's on a playlist that I hear every now and then. And I'm like, what a weird song. It's called Triad. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's about a menage a trois. <laughs> and cool. It's just a very cool idea of how he wrote it and how it kind of ties together. But otherwise... Like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I know probably four songs that he wrote, you know? I know he (laughs) did Wooden Ships, and I know he did Guinevere and Deja Vu and Almost Cut My Hair, and that's pretty much it. If He's just such a strange presence to be, like you said, John, such a 60s rock legend because he was there for a lot of things and collaborated on a lot of things. But unlike, you know, he always had a gripe that, he never had a hit song like everybody else in Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young did, so he never made the money mm. that they made. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, that band was strictly, I wrote the song, you know, we're recording yeah. it, but I'm getting all this, all the publishing for it. So he never had had that money from, like, the big 60s hits. So that's why he kind of, and, and he was a huge drug addict that, you know, got sober. No, he did, there was a documentary. Did y'all, either of y'all see the documentary he did? Um, no, I know of it. I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I didn't watch that. But um, I'd seen one years back. I don't know if it was behind the music or where they really went into his drug use. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, well, yeah, it I've always freaks me out when they said he was so fucking hopped up on shit. Like his, he had sores on his arms with li- and they're crystallized from like just all <laughs> the fucking drugs. Like literally crystals growing out of sores. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> He was—he had become a Superman villain at that point. Jeez. Anyway, have you guys seen my favorite Crosby moment? Is at the Monterey Pop Festival with the birds. He goes on this rant before they start to play. <laughs> I have it, seen that. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's mm-hmm. amazing. They're about to play. Uh, he was a friend of mine, which is about JFK. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know. Since this is on TV, I, I mean, I know they're going to cut it out, but I just have to say, when when John F. Kennedy was killed, he was killed by more than one man, and witnesses have been killed, and the story oh has been God. suppressed, <laughs> and this is your country. It's like so great, wow, dude. Wow. Uber oh political, God. so brave, and so And his heavy. voice was so, like, nasally and like, hey, man. Like, <laughs> you get, like he... he Basically, I feel like that's where the, he is where that originated from. When you hear people like, hey, man, groovy. Like, that's exactly how he yeah. talked. Yeah. Like, he, whenever you hear him talk, he's like, hey, man, like, you know, like, I was with Dylan, uh-huh. and, like, we were smoking a J, and, like, there were doobies <laughs> everywhere, you know? He's great. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, like you said, he's the quintessential 
hippie. Yeah. Another great clip that you can find on YouTube is like the presidential. I don't know if it was the. Uh, God, I was about to say orientation. What's, what's it when the president gets inauguration? Inauguration, <laughs> orientation. But Crosby, Stills, Nash. This is in this century. They, they're playing. You can tell they hate each other, and they do like America the Beautiful or something. And it is so bad. No. <laughs> you can just tell all three of them are off. And it's like, oh, and they know it. And they're just so miserable looking like, why are we wow. here? What are we doing? Is there wow. anything we won't do for a cash grab? And <laughs> it was but, probably when Obama first got inaugurated, right? And they felt I, the need to make some sort of... Yeah. We hate George Bush statement. We're so think, glad that yeah. the Democrats in now. Mm-hmm. It was 08 or 12. But yeah, I would say it, it, for anyone listening, if you want to get into Crosby, I, I would say that live album. Is that so far? Neil? No, is that no. what it's called? Four Way Street. Four Way Street is fantastic. Just that is, I think, the best version of them yeah. as the a The one I got you on vinyl? Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but um, rest in peace, uh, David Crosby, and for all he contributed to, to rock and hippiedom. And, and on that note, uh, speaking of uh, lovely voices and rock history, you're listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And this week we are talking about another lovely voice with Nilsson's version of Without You from his 1971 album Nilsson Schmilson, written by Pete Ham and Tom Evans and produced by Richard Perry and released on RCA. No, I can't forget this evening Though your face is leaving But I guess that's just Well, I wanted to talk about it because it's just a, I think it's like a perfect recording of a, of a song that I definitely first heard Mariah Carey singing it and thought that it was a Mariah Carey song until that Nilsson, and I knew who Nilsson was. One of my dad's favorite songs is uh, Everybody's Talking, and I knew he had done uh, One by Three Dog Night because I also love that song. I knew he had written that, composed it. And, and, but I did, not know, I, I did not know he even sang this song, and then that documentary came out a while back called Nilsson, mm-hmm. and I was like, what the fuck? That's him? And in my mind, I was like, I've heard this version, but I just always thought it was a, a woman. <laughs> woman singer, yeah. right? And 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 then you know, I Nielsen Schmilson was heavy rotation for a while after that. And that album is, you know, I listen to it today. There's seven out of the ten songs are just fantastic songs. But this one does stick. I mean, this is I think the best song on the album. And I'm not even really sure, other than the out of this world vocal that he does, and and the production is is fantastic. Like, there's nothing in the song, even after I listen to it for two weeks, that detracts from it at all. Like, it's, like, just perfect all the way through, in my mind. But then, of course, thinking it was a Nielsen song, I just discovered today that it was originally written and recorded by the band Badfinger. So, (laughs) I learned. I learned something here on this podcast every week, I like to think. I feel the same. I always thought... It was a woman who sang it. I guess it's probably because Mariah Carey. Even yeah. when I even when I listen to his now, I'm like, hmm, still still kind of. I, I see why I thought that. 
especially I guess kind of in the verses when he gets to the chorus you can really tell it's Nilsson but I had a wonderful time at the dog park yesterday listening to all the various versions even though it's <laughs> fucking heartbreaking man it is such a it's so rich the heartbreak in this song and yeah. it really like yeah. it really is I mean it makes me think about suicide not personally and we'll get to it why that's uh significant but yeah, I mean, I really believe him. I believe he's sad as fuck and torn to pieces. There, there's certain songs like this, kind of the the chord changes and the 70s nostalgia that just, it, it the song sounds so familiar. I feel like even people yeah. who haven't heard it, if you put it on, they'd be like, oh yeah, that song. You know what I mean? It just it just sounds <laughs> familiar. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, think, I think it's fantastic. It's an amazing song. Of course, it is fantastic. And of course, I did hear Mariah Carey's version first. And of course, <laughs> hers is also fantastic. It's so good. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's so good. That's great that none of us are too pretentious to admit no that the way. Mariah Carey version oh is awesome, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I would say that's another, it's another perfect recording. I don't, I don't think there's, and they add those gospel harmonies mm-hmm. at the end that, that's like something new to the song that's like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's you stole my. That was my note. I was gonna say the gospel <laughs> harmonies by Mariah. I feel like maybe Mariah was the only one who could hit it like Harry. <laughs> exactly right. That's why. Exactly. So I remember my original. Of course, I also originally heard Mariah's, and I have a nice memory, father son thing. I'm in the car, and my dad explains to me. No, no, son. You know, a man named Harry Nilsson sang this song a long time ago. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice when someone tells you something that is common knowledge if you lived when they lived, but it's yeah. news to you because it's <laughs> before you were born. You know, it's like a nice yeah. another uh, sort of general remark about the song insofar as who Harry is. Yeah. And we were talking about the power of the song. It's even more powerful when you do realize that it's Harry Nilsson mm-hmm. because yeah. So much of his music is like the kid who never grew up, the guy who doesn't take anything yeah. seriously. Nilsson Schmilson. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. He's on, yeah. in a, you know. And then all of a sudden, he just hits you with this yeah. really powerful song, but, sad song. Yeah, he's like a kid that never grew up, but also he has a, there's a very melancholy. Like a lot of his stuff is so fucking sad and this fits yeah, right there's in. There's something sad beneath the surface. Like even, even the, the happy songs in this album, like, you know, Gotta Get Up and uh, Early in the Morning, they're fun. And that's probably because well, like the alarm clock it's kind of fun, but you know both of, of them feel. are about him being up all night doing drugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and even the, the one of my favorite jams like of the seventies is that "Jump Into the Fire" song. Oh my god! Yes, god, great, so yeah. good. I mean, even that song is just sounds like somebody going insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just six minutes of him losing his mind, very melodically and sounding amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great but, we can be happy but, and, and that's why and that's why this song sticks out and it was funny i was reading the producer who is richard perry his work before this was like a captain b part record and a tiny tim record and a fats domino record which makes sense there's some fats domino piano playing going on in the song and then you know later he worked with streisand and carly simon and started planet records but this was like his first huge record and he says the reason this song sticks out so much, and it makes so much sense, he's like, it was the first pop song 
that really took a ballad and put this backbeat, this powerful backbeat on mm-hmm. it. And I think I feel like it's mostly ballads from the '90s, like like listen to a Celine Dion mm-hmm. song, like listen to a Titanic yeah, song. Yeah. It kind of follows the same mm-hmm. formula. Oh yeah. Uh, what's the Whitney Houston Dolly Parton song? I'm, uh, we'll always love you. I will always love you. Yeah, they kind of do the same thing. It's like slow start, and then we're just gonna bam. We're gonna the, the vocal. We're gonna have a vocalist so good. We're gonna build, 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 we're, and then we're just gonna hit you out of nowhere with something that you're gonna be like, whoa, mm-hmm. what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. You know, because because musically, you're really just a string section, horn a horn section. The piano kind of dominates most of the time. You know, there's a bass and drums in there, but right? I mean, musically, well, yeah, the whole damn thing. I mean, the uh, the the string and horn arrangement, like it's it's so big. Like I, that is one of my favorite parts. Just all of, like the arrangement behind it. That bump, and the way that the producer kind of builds it in. I mean, you have basically the strings take over. Kind of, they kind of come in that first chorus. It's really just him mm-hmm. on the piano. They stay right. really close to his vocal too. It's cool. They almost like come mm-hmm. right out of his vocal. The strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the way that the producer weaves weaves all of that into it is phenomenal. And, and it, it drops back out. You know, when it comes back down to the verse, and then you know the musicianship in this song. Which this was another crazy fact to me that when I looked at who was playing on the record. So Nilsson's just singing. Okay. The guy doing the piano, his name is Gary Wright. He, he worked on, like, Harrison Records and stuff, but he made it big with Dreamweaver. Hmm. <laughs> nice. That was just his song. He recorded that song. And, <laughs> and when he I'm sang like, Dreamweaver? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He wrote and huh. sang and composed Dreamweaver. So, and I was like, that makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> And then you have Klaus Vorman on bass, who's like the guy who like lived with the Beatles mm-hmm. after yeah. John and Paul moved out, mm-hmm. and and it was the bass player for Man for Man, and he uh, designed the Revolver album cover. Mm-hmm. And then you have the guy on drums is like, he was the session guy for like pretty much all the Beatles solo stuff. Like he was he was on all the all those Wilburys, yeah, Jim Keltner, yeah. And then this guy, Paul Buckmaster, who does the arrangements, which we were talking about. So, like, this guy is, like, the composer on Space Oddity, Your Song, hmm. Levon, Tiny Dancer, Moonlight Mile, yeah, Sway. That and just, That's why it's, it's so good. It's like succession of, like, the best that they and could get. Do you guys know what I was, I'm talking about? Like, the string sex, just, they do it in, like, two parts. Like, it's almost at the turnaround. Like, bum, ba na 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 It, like... Sounds very cinematic, like the, the yeah, the, yeah. Uh, at the at the end of the chorus, yeah, yeah. it's it's almost like I can't uh, can't explain exactly what we'll, I think. We'll 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 put that in right okay. now. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Let's let's talk let's talk about the book. Let's get let's dive in. My favorite parts are uh, the end of the first chorus, and just kind of the way he howls out, and then when he comes in with that second chorus, it like I just wrote holy shit, just like holy shit, <laughs> like it just it almost blows you off your seat, like because it's and it's one of the best um, self duo vocals I've ever heard. You know what I mean? It's two Harrys just fucking crushing it. <laughs> two Harrys. It is, right? He, yeah. Is it two? Yeah, two tracks, right? That, yeah. that, that yeah, yeah. second chorus, that note he hits. The lead 
and then the way he kind of drops down eh, like you can hear his voice cracking and like you almost see like tears running down his eyes <laughs> it, the immediacy of how quickly he soars from oh that God, it's shot out of a kid is like it because like you were talking about earlier the song is so fucking sad and like like pleading up until then and mm-hmm. it's just like ah! it's just like every it's it's just like everything he's got i mean it's it's it sounds sort of panicked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sort of there's, there, there, there's anguish desperate panic. yeah <laughs> and, and yet and all and yet the way that it goes up to the high note and the way that the instruments follow it there's like a certain sense of triumph too yeah, yeah. in a weird way yeah. right? like he's exercising the demons with notes yeah it's yeah. It's, it's pure heart too i mean yeah. it's just like it's it's a controlled like panic that he is able to just i'm going to take all this emotion and here's how i'm going to let it out it's probably a bad metaphor here is like you know when when yoga like after you get done doing like a bunch of hard shit in yoga they're like you're in downward dog or whatever, and they're like, take a big inhale, and now just let it all out through your mouth, and everybody's like, you know. And if you're you know, I have around, a feeling a, that I have a feeling that Harry specifically would really resent your metaphor there. I don't think. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he, he probably would, but he won't resent this because I I do love like you don't hear that many male vocalists have a voice that's this powerful mm-hmm. with this much sadness, right? Plenty of female singers can kind of deliver this. Yeah, and I think male or female, there's just something about Nelson that, like, just the, like, we, what been, we've been talking about, the, the desperation, the panic. Like, you can hear all that in almost every song. But the way he sings it and the way he uses his voice, it kind of forces you to listen to every word. Like, you're kind of hanging on every word. Because he makes them all clear, like there's not a word that you can't understand, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know lyrically we'll get to in a second. But there's not that many words in it anyway. It's like sweet and pitiful. There's like <laughs> multi, like you were saying, John. It's like it's panic, but it's also triumph. There's yeah. a lot of different emotions working mm-hmm. working through this. And as that- far as the delivery goes. It's so powerful, and yet it doesn't feel strained either. Mm-hmm. That's maybe the most impressive thing, is that, I mean, it's similar to, like, you know, you hear a Sam Cooke song, and you're just like, God, how does he sing like that? Right. It sounds so effortless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you, you hear this, kind of sounds effortless. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's so loud and strong. It's weird. And <laughs> it's, it's super obvious, but from the original, uh, where they, like, just the way he decided to draw out the live. You know what I mean? I can't believe oh, yeah. Badfinger didn't do that. Like how that's right. I, I can't live. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's, it's when I when I saw that it was Badfinger day I listened to that that changes the entire song. That well, one it's a completely different song. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean the melodies they're not changing chords. The though. verses the verses are really cool in the Badfinger version um but yeah, and I guess he changed the lyrics a little bit too, because they say "live again" in the original. They don't say they don't do the give. They say really? "I can't give anymore," but they don't say "I can't give." They say "I can't live." Uh, I can't give. It. Uh, yeah, or, see, I didn't listen to it more than once. I listened to it once, and I was like, "Well, no." I listened. I mean, it's so bad. No, at Glad the beginning, to know it came from here. At but. the beginning, I was like, "Shit, is this better than the Nilsson?" Because like the 
the verses are really cool. It was just cool to hear the original uh, incarnation of it. But yeah, once it gets to the chorus, yeah. my God. All right, never mind. Another difference between theirs and Nielsen's is theirs is pretty much the same straight throughout. It's kind of a downer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of dull almost. And the the reason is because like when Nielsen comes in and we can kind of mix in the lyric, like, like I said, there's not that many words, but that first line put, just puts you immediately mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, forget it somebody say uh i can't, I can't forget this evening yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and yeah. your, fa- your, your face, face as you were leaving. leaving right and then to go there and then just hit you with that like you always smile but in your eyes you saw your sorrow grows i mean that line is like yeah oof. and it's almost like you go from like what's up with this fucking guy being all sad and shit and then you're like oh yeah I've seen that face before. And then he hits you with that, like, I can't live. And you're like, oh, man. And then the tears start coming, you know. It's right. I know this guy. I know this guy. <laughs> and then he hits you with that second chorus, and you're just like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I've never heard anything like this before. That line in the first verse is good. It, it says more about the relationship than was almost necessary. A lot of people might not think about that line. You always smile, but in your eyes, your sorrow sh- shows. Yes, it shows. Because, yeah, because she's leaving and she's smiling, but you are aware that that is a, a facade. You almost wish she was mad and yelling at you, and it would give you a reason to also be mad instead of really <laughs> sad, which is what Harry is in this song. Because she wasn't even she wasn't even being mean. She was just disappointed, and just she had to go. I just thought of this. Um, It's a lot like uh, what's that Beatles song that in your eyes for no one for no one. Yep. No sign of love behind the tears. Cry for no one. Yep. Yep. Same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the 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 Beatles. You know, as we just discussed with the musicians, they were kind of all in about Nielsen. Honestly, the only time he ever played this live or sang this live was uh, with Ringo in 92. Not good. I I read. And when you hear a lot of Nielsen, it does sound like McCartney, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the few vocalists that can compete with this range and and, and how you yeah, can go from there. Very... It's not like a Roy Orbison thing where you're just like, let me do eight octaves, like, and just build up and build up and build up. It's just like, I'm going mm-hmm. to hit you right now. Yeah, very similar. I mean, I think even in songwriting and performance, I mean, I feel like one is kind of like a yesterday kind of. That's that's true. You know, the, the second verse is not as memorable, and, and that's probably why they just repeat the first verse for the, <laughs> for the as a third verse, basically. They're like, this is a good one. Let's <laughs> Let's put that. Let's put that in. Because lyrically, I mean, as a total, other than that first and third line, it's pretty straightforward. Like It's all the melody and performance. There is another line in the verse that I want to mention, which is, <laughs> and now it's only fair that I should let you know what you should know. I can't live if living is without you. By the way, it is not fair at all to tell somebody. <laughs> well, and it sounds like it was a little late. That you can't live without them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's the uh, manipulative self-harm yeah. Yeah, yeah, threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the guilt. It's like, I'm going to put yeah. this on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if, something, if I do something to myself, which, again, both of these guys, 
uh, they both committed did? to both of these writers. Yeah, both writers committed well, like, suicide. That fucking freaks me out. So basically, Pete Ham mm-hmm. kind of had the original idea and had the verses. And he got that, that line from he and his lady had plans to go out. And one of the other guys in the band, the other writer, uh, Tom Evans, was like, hey, let's work on that song you were working on. And his wife was like, ah, you'll probably be upset if you, we go out. You'll be like, ah, I should have stayed and wrote that song. And that's where he got the sorrow line from. And then, but they didn't have a strong enough chorus. And then Tom Evans' wife left him, so the I can't live without you. And they just combined the two. And basically, Tom Evans is the one who, like, later, like in 1983, because of some royalty stuff from this song, killed himself. Yeah, man, when I read that, like, I feel like, Seriously, is this melody like cursed? Because <laughs> it's just such a sad song, and that both people involved in creating it fucking killed themselves. Like, either it's cursed or it was a form of high art. <laughs> it was performance art. And the guy who, Harry, drank himself to death, too. Yep. I mean, much, much, much and later. I but. must say, I mean, the reason I brought up the suicide thing was because of that. And, um,. This song really affected me, I think, in the early 2000s. Did you guys ever see that movie, Rules of Attraction? It was like Vanderbeek and some other yeah. people. It's like Yes, but I do not remember. Well, there's a scene where this chick fucking kills herself to this song, and it is so powerful. It's like really slow. You see her getting ready for a bath. She puts her rings up on the edge of the tub and a razor blade, and then just as soon as Jesus. the first chorus comes in, she slits one wrist the tub starts filling with blood and then when the second chorus comes in it starts to like echo and fade out and the screen starts turning and it's just like i'm getting chills even talking about it it's that director (laughs) must i saw that movie in the theater i know what you're talking about now and that director was just like we're gonna trigger as many people as possible yeah no on youtube there there's (laughs) like you have to like click a warning (laughs) before you watch it Yeah, I won't be watching that. Uh, but it's uh, super powerful. I mean, Jesus Christ. You always smile, but in your eyes, your sorrow shows. Yes, it shows. I think, I think the main thing, though, about this song is what you mentioned, changing that I can't live, I can't give. Because mm-hmm. otherwise... Like, I've, I play it on the guitar. If you try to do it straightforward and not exactly like Nilsson and Mariah Carey, like the Nilsson version, it's pretty dull. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty dull song. Yeah, uh, and unless Nilsson or Mariah are singing it, it's kind of just like when the chorus comes in, any cover, you're like, oh, my God, you guys, fucking come on. Can I get a little passion? Or, or just don't do it, which, <laughs> you know, I, I know I'm going to have to cover this song, and I'm not really sure how. Talking to you, Glenn Campbell. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Calling out Glenn. Okay, well, before we get under the covers, not to, not too quick. Just a couple of fun facts. This hit number one after ten weeks, and it stayed on there for four. It's number four ninety six on Rolling Stone's top five hundred songs of all time, which is how we gauge rock and roll. Jonathan is by Rolling Stone list. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and this song has been covered by one hundred and eighty artists, mm-hmm. which is a lot. To only really want to listen to two. but this song has hit number one twice with those two artists i think that's time to bring us into the vibe time portion of this podcast so john we're going to give you another chance to bring us in if you're ready in three two one 
<laughs> melodic. Yeah, you're, you're, you're melodic oming this time. I, I was I, well, I was I, I I was gonna just sing the first line, but then I didn't want to sing the first line. But the vibe <laughs> of the song is before the chorus. It's very easy to sing, mm-hmm. which is yes. fun. It's very yes. easy to sing. The the trick is, and this is very similar to an Orbison song, is that it's he. If you want to try, if you want to play it in a key where you can actually get up there in the chorus. You have to go very low. You're like, right. well, I can't forgive me. Right. I mean, you're almost like lounge singing it right. to, to do that. But, um, okay, uh, Neil, when specifically do you want to hear this song? Um, well, it's so heartbreaking. You'd think it would be kind of a, a, a solo song, just listen to your by yourself. But, no, I think um, at a good party, you scratch the record, you put this on, you put it on loud, you got to own it, too. And so you got you don't want to hear anybody trying no, to hit it. Well, That's right. no, you do. You do eventually. But <laughs> you put it on loud, you get everyone in and everyone is itching to just belt this out. Like even though uh, like at the beginning, they'd yeah. be like, what the fuck? And then by the time the course hits, the whole party would be going, I can't <laughs> just fucking. That's a that's a callback to to I think Africa by Toto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, that's that's the vibe. Next next big party, Neil. You're gonna go Africa Toto, <laughs> Nielsen without you. Perfect yeah, combo. Yeah, that's a little yeah, rock uh, block. Perfect <laughs> combo. Yes. John, John, when specifically do you want to hear this song? Alone in the car on the way home from a long day. I I I think I came up with a good one for this. I want to hear this like when I need to force an emotional response, when, when, the, when the, the emotions that I'm putting out there are not meeting the moment, you know, like my girlfriend gets mad at me and she's like crying and, and you just start getting mad about this. I'm not there. I'm not <laughs> as emotional as I should be. So I'm like, take a little bathroom break. I need, I need to go to the bathroom, grab some Bluetooth headphones, put this uh-huh. in, get where I need to be emotionally, come back out. Ready yeah, to go. Or like it's a nice acting trick if you need to cry when you're acting. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet the moment. And I use Nielsen's version of Without You to do that. And then she goes, Were you listening to Harry Nielsen in the bathroom? <laughs> um, and, and speaking of Nielsen in the bathroom, I think it's time to uh, slide under the influence <laughs> and talk about influences of this song, which, I, John, why don't you. Tell us what this song reminds you of or where you think it came from. Or I had a couple. I had a couple. The the Skyliners, Since I Don't Have You. You know that song? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So okay. for two reasons. One, similar lyrical message, has a similar feel, and also was a big hit around the same time as Mariah Carey's but by Guns N' Roses covered that song in 94. <laughs> wow. Yeah, both songs are like in my head in the same box. Like That's, that's wild. Yeah. It's quite the coincidence there. That, yeah. That's cool. Uh, it also reminded me of um, Only You by The Platters. Ah, mm-hmm. yes, that's a good one. I sang that uh, at Neil's wedding. Yeah. Wow. I learned it staying up until <laughs> 8 in the morning one, one night. And, um, couple nights before the wedding i never really put together how much like his sound especially this song is is very billy joel mm-hmm. the, the, like i listened to this album today and the song it's just there's not many people that do just piano with some arrangements and kind of epic and can really get up there with their vocal i mean obviously we mentioned mccartney earlier 
But Billy Joel is that, like, successor to this. Mm-hmm. I, this is 71, so, I mean, he's doing most of his stuff afterwards. I don't know how, how much or whether it was an influence, but definitely Billy Joel. And as I mentioned earlier, Dreamweaver in, like, 90s power ba- pop ballads, basically. You brought up uh, Guns N' Roses. This reminds me of November Rain a little bit. Because, nice. like, <laughs> especially the strings, the piano, just the, the ballad uh, nature of it. And then there's a couple songs that just, I guess, a little later in the 70s or 80s that it really reminds me of. Against All Odds, Phil Collins, just kind of a sad piano. Almost the melody uh, sounds similar. Yeah. The bil- That's the... Take <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> very similar to that, the Billy Vera, If You Don't Know Me By Now. Oh, oh. God. And then just other heartbreak. That was my pick for next week. Just kidding. <laughs> um, one more that uh, it reminds me of is Nothing Compares to You. Just kind of like really heartbreaking songs. Yeah, I could, I could hear that. I mean, the, the crazy thing, though, is like some of the, the ballads that, that you mentioned afterwards, I, I think there's no cheese in this at mm-hmm. all, which I think if you look forward 70s, 80s, 90s, they're all so much cheese. Like the production is so much cheesier mm-hmm. than this. Yeah. There's other stuff. And this and that going in into it uh, and listen to it. And you're almost like, eh, um, you know, this is good, but I'm not going to listen to this. A question. Bunch. If you had to, would you guys choose this or with or without you? If you could only have one. Bono's I, a good comp, comp to his voice, actually, too. Yeah, I mean, I would I would take with or without you just because it's a better listen. Like if I, if I was just choosing songs to go to a desert island or something. But I do think that without you is more powerful but it's tough man they're both powerful shit with or without you is one of the best lyrics ever sweet it's great it's like a psalm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it is but i would still take this one i would take this one i think it's close though because they're both really good single sing two songs you're gonna dive deeper into the with or without you but you still find meaning in both lyrics and, and it's both, both very good to bring up and influence i i suppose maybe they were slightly influenced by because it's very similar and nielsen is irish right looks like it <laughs> <laughs> uh, well speaking of looking irish i think it's time we, we we've been under the covers we've like had the covers pulled down all, all episode, but now we're really going to dive in. We, we've established that Badfinger is is the original version and, you know, not the, the best version. So let's give a little more love to the Mariah Carey mm-hmm. version because, as John mentioned earlier, it's so yeah. good as well. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Like, I put it on just to kind of make sure that I knew what it was uh, to talk about it, and then I was just like, shit, <laughs> fucking this is great. <laughs> It's great. I think she, like, I get shit for this all the time, but I am a huge fan of hers. I think she has one of the best voices of all time. And it's special moments like this song and my favorite Christmas song when she sings Oh Holy Night Hmm. is another example. Her voice is so great that when she gets material that is Mm -hmm. so great, too, that she can really use her voice to the full potential... It's as good as anything for me. I, I, I love it. Yeah. I don't think that's arguable. I mean, I think because she can get up in these that's little those like, squeals, like, yeah. that's, like to squeals that sound good mm-hmm. and to come from where she comes from. Like, I mean, vocally, 
it's it's a better performance than Nielsen, just from a technical singing. Mm. Holy mm. shit! How does she fucking do that? Yeah. But I think you're you're looking at it like, man, there, there's a lot of different female vocalists that can sing this, and I don't think that's the case. I think I, I don't think Aretha could have done it like this. I don't think Whitney could have done it like this. Adele can't do it like this because her voice can do more things than than theirs. Her voice is strong. It can do more things. And something that her voice she's really good at is I, I learned this word just from reading about her, but melismatic singing, you know what that means? It, no. Okay, well, it means everybody does it, or lots of people do it, but it means having, like, one word have many notes in mm. it, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. I can't live mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's so good at that. A lot of people try to do that, and they're really bad at it, and it ruins it, the song. It's easy to get pitchy. Right. You have to be able to mm-hmm. make those changes smoothly, and there's a level of taste involved. That's her sort of writing the melody in yeah. a like a in mm-hmm. a in a very detailed way, mm-hmm. and she does it slightly different than anyone else would mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when she sings well, a song like this. So Nielsen heard this at a party, thought it was a Beatles song, found out it was Badfinger, and then was like, "I can do mm-hmm. that better." I, I don't know if he thought that too, but he was he like, did. "I want to record that song." <laughs> Mar- Mariah Carey heard it like eating brunch somewhere. Uh-huh on the speaker and she was just like this could be huge i can kill this so to to have that self-confidence and savvy and creativity to be like i know what i can do with this." and the fact that she stuck to the nilsen arrangement really just kind of took that and ran with it i'm sure she recognized that what nilsen did was magic and i can do that too you know and i'm a and i'm a bigger star than Mm -hmm. nilsen i can kill this and it'll be a huge Mm -hmm. hit and 180 artists covered this. Only two people can sing it to where you want to hear Yeah, it. I couldn't find you know. one other version that was worth talking about. Other than Air Supply, right? <laughs> I, Just I didn't check that one out. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so there's no more covers that we want to point out. There was a guy who named T. G. Shepard who like released it as like a single mm. in the early '80s, and it's like a melodramatic country version. Mm. It is not good. Did, is there anyone that stick out that were not great that y'all heard? Well, the Glenn Campbell. Uh, <laughs> he just. Really I mean, it's just very like range. reserved chorus. I can't live. <laughs> So dull. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of songs called Without You, and like it's tough to even find the version you're looking for on Spotify. There's a lot of bad songs yeah. called Without You. Let's, 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 mm-hmm. let's clarify <laughs> that. There, I listened to like 20 Without Yous today, and I was just like, fast forward, fast forward. So bad. Um, it's hard to get motivated to even listen to any covers because you just know. It's, mm-hmm. it's not th- – the song is really well written, but – the performance of Mariah and Harry is yeah. just so good. You just know that nobody's going to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and you can almost say, like, their performance elevates the production. They're going to have the best people, and those people are going to be like, holy shit, we got to fucking right. do something great. Yeah, and here. it's uh, like yeah. Harry's is so passionate. You can't inject any, there's no other way to do it. You can't do it less passionate. Yeah. And it, <laughs> you know? Right. You, you right. know what there's many, many ways to do, though? 
wear shoes. <laughs> or, or nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about how the shoe fits uh, for um, Nielsen's uh, version of Without You. I, it's my song, so I'm going to – it fits like a pair of blue suede boat shoes that I used to own. And I wish – I could have back whenever I think about them. It's tough to uh, live without because them. I love them so much. Yeah, it's I, I think about them and I can't live if living <laughs> is without them. Um, my blue, my Clark's blue suede boots. Uh, the shoe definitely fits. Um, but the shoes are either brand new, or like just torn and tattered beyond belief. Like you're either getting brand new shoes because you're leaving this girl behind and you're starting new or you're homeless and distraught. <laughs> like it's, it's one or the other brand new or <laughs> fucking done. Well, wait, side note, could, could it be like where you have new shoes and then one of them gets like caught accidentally in like the lawnmower. <laughs> and so there's one new and then there's one that's tattered. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That'll work. <laughs> I did. That's just a funny thought. Uh, <laughs> John, how do the shoes fit? Like slippers, slippers, which I half suspect came to my mind at first because I picture Harry yep. Nelson walking in around in a bathrobe. Yep, yep. Yes, <laughs> but but like upon more contemplation, I think I say that because when we decide to discuss the lyrics of this song, they obviously are extremely sad. But when I'm not thinking about the lyrics of the song, which I'm usually not. I don't know. It's yeah. just beautiful. It's just yeah. beautiful, and it's comfortable, and it's smooth, and mm -hmm. soft, and nice, and like a nice pair yeah. of slippers. Yeah, and that's perfect, because it could also take it to where, like, you're so sad, you have to check yourself into yep. somewhere. Hospital mm -hmm. right. slippers. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. Right. <laughs> Shout out, Jonathan, uh, <laughs> our old co-host. Uh, With the paper-thin soles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the paper thin cells. Uh, and, and on that note, uh, our cover of Nielsen's Without You. Well, I can't forget this evening Well, you think as you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile, but in your eyes Sorrow shows Yes, it shows No, mm -hmm. I can't forget tomorrow When I think of all my sorrow When I had you there But then I let you go Now it's only fair that I
cover you just heard was performed by josh bond thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you if you like what you heard please subscribe and rate on apple itunes and spotify or wherever you listen if you'd like to communicate with us you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at pod gave rock or shoot us an email to what at pod gave next week is john's week so john what will we be discussing let the Good Times Roll by Shirley and Lee. Can't wait! <laughs> <laughs>